Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. We are now we are now officially documenting our first foray. Uh, this is the first meeting of the International Blobtology Conference. Uh, I am I am one of your blob. I'm, I am the I'm the novice. I'm the junior blobtology chair. My name is Ash. Uh, joined joined by two senior blobtological officials today. Uh, uh, John, aka at the Licorice Guy. How are you doing? I am delighted that we are finally getting the chance to bring some much needed academic attention to this. <laughs> Often marginalized field of study. <laughs> oh, but we are we 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 are so lucky today because we are joined by uh, what I think it's safe to say is the world's foremost expert on blobtology. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the horror vanguard visiting professor of blobjectivity. <laughs> uh, we uh, also also co-host of the excellent. Uh, explain Deleuze to me right now podcast, uh, Buddies with Organs, yes, co-host of The K-Files on um, Zero Books, uh, the enigmatic, mysterious blogger known as Xenogothic. Matt, how are you doing? Hi. Uh, yeah, very well. Yeah, pleasure to be with you both. Um, Long time listener, first time caller. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, what, what a topic to join you on. Um I actually had a friend that I think is as all sort of pandemic um, socializing. Well, well, it shouldn't have to, but it still is the case for me at least. I was invited to chat to a friend tonight um, that I hadn't spoken to in ages. I said, sorry, I can't do Wednesday. How about Thursday? I'm, I'm going on a podcast talk about Mr. Blobby. And her response was, <laughs> of, of, of course you are. Yeah, that makes absolute <laughs> sense for how who you are as a person. Um, and yeah, this is a first, which is very surprising. It's a, it's a, it's a topic very close to my heart. That's yeah, never been. There's never been a meeting. Yeah, first international blobtology conference. It's long overdue. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Um, well, for for maybe for people who've not who haven't come across you and your in your work, maybe you could just take a minute and sort of kind of uh, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about the things you've done, where people can find you, and most importantly, how they can support your work. Sure. Uh, my name is Matt Cahoon. Um, I guess you hit the the main basis in the, in your very nice intro. I, I blog at um, xenogothic.com. Blogged there for a few years. Um, I think I'm probably mostly known um, for writing about the work of Mark Fisher. Um, I wrote a book about Mark called Egress on Morning Melancholy Melancholia Mark Fisher and also edited uh, Mark's final lectures as Post-Capitalist Desire, um, mm. both published by Repeater Books. Um when I'm not doing that, I guess I write about all sorts of other things. Um, yeah, uh, co-host the um, Buddies Without Organs podcast with Sean Oscar and Corey J. White. And um, yeah, just just hang around on the internet far too much, chatting about weird <laughs> things like Mr. Blobby. Uh, it's always nice to recognize someone with a, a fellow victim of Poster's Brain. Um, we've, we've, we've... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Terminal in my case, I think, but yeah. <laughs> well, um, as always, as always, and I know I say this a lot on the show, but I am, I've been excited about this bit of the show literally from when we decided that we were going to do this. Um, as always, for people who are new to the topic, maybe for people who have not, not heard of what we're talking about, we always throw it over to Ash, who, who just 
very plainly, very, very straightforwardly just breaks down what we're talking about. So, <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> I, I am, I am, I am barely holding it together right now. But Ash, my dear friend, would you mind explaining to Matt, to me, to everybody listening, <laughs> Mister Blobby, what I, I, are we talking about? So just as a precy to the precy, I had to pare down the section uh, c- comparing and contrasting Mr. Bloppy to 600 years of Irish politics. So <laughs> uh, away we go. Oh, John is back. I'm back. I'm back. The, the dog. Oh, yeah. The dark forces and occult powers couldn't keep me away. Um, that, that's Mr. Blobby's enemies came for you. That's that's understandable. <laughs> the dark spiritual uh, energy of Noel Edmonds uh, was <laughs> fucking with my my internet reader. But uh, you ask, I don't know how much I missed. But do you mind taking it from the top? <laughs> sure. Oh, this madness stays in. It would have been a simple task to locate a Wikipedia article either dedicated to Mr. Blobby or perhaps Noel's house party. It would have been trite, perhaps even insulting, to then situate Mr. Blobby in a cultural flow stemming from the primordial ooze of 90s British media to cult pop stardom today. However, that's not how I wanted to encounter Mr. Blobby. I have few nostalgic memories of early 90s British TV. Mr. Blobby is not amongst them. This life form is an intrusion of the cinematic reel into the hyper reel. Mr. Blobby is, in Mark Fisher's terms, a rupture. An infectious mass that cannot be contained by capital, nor by a sense of time defined by colonialism and punch cards. I chose to encounter Mr. Blobby as he lives and writhes today. A disconnected ooze of memes, YouTube videos, and merchandise. A refracted bit of uncontainable culture born from the bed of chaos that is late empire. Mr. Bobby, Mr. Bobby, Mr. Blobby is a self-determining mass, shedding that which was always vestigial. Like a slime mold that solved the puzzle of digesting petroleum products, Mr. Blobby was born of the thing he is destined to consume. This heaving, grunting mass of bubonic pleather is at once a cosmic regurgitation of hyperreal anxiety and a pied piper of freedom's uncertain future. Through his wheezing digital voice, we hear both the song of collapsing rust belt infrastructure and the impossibility of denying material conditions. Bob, Bobby, Blobby is both organic and inorganic, both diegetic and non-cinematic. As the primordial ooze embodied, Mr. Blobby collapses all borders through radical self-definition. Mr. Blobby acts as a grounding in an overly saturated hyper-reality. The raw absurdism of Blobby reconnects us to the real absurdism of our moment, his antics are the funhouse mirror reflection of everything from the tail end of the troubles to millions of dead from COVID. He is the sublimation of screeching, writhing chaos that wears the same embalmed smile that baristas across the world are forced to pin on every working day. We're all in crinkly bottom now. We're all blobby family. We've been given ailing voices, plasticine bodies, and a socially sustained rictus grin. Yet they are still ours and the slime will always remain undefeated. Join us as we discuss the being, Mr. Blobby. Oh, so good. So... <laughs> okay, all right. Let's, let us, let's, let's kind of begin at the... Begin with, <laughs> with some... 
with some context, uh, uh, no, this is not a fever dream. Yes, this is real. Um, Matt, maybe you you can kind of start start us off. Like, where where do we begin? How do we let us let us let us follow the great Frederick Jameson? Let us historicize. <laughs> Uh, where do we begin? Um, I mean, I, I I want to begin, though this is not suitable to the task at hand, I want to begin with bubonic pleather, which I think is... <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect... Oh, I love that. And I think that, that captures Blobby's essence better than anything I think anyone else has ever written. Um, it's, I actually really relate to that intro in that as much as I feel like... I kind of knew that this would be the question. How do we historically situate Mr. Blobby? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going to just break out in spontaneous la- laughter throughout this entire charade, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, but um, I- I'm almost reluctant to. You can do it. I think that there's um, Blobby probably was a fever dream for some um t- low down tv exec in the 1990s someone had the idea for this <laughs> character uh not really sure what to do with it which i think is probably understandable um and i think was initially given some sort of foothold in the popular consciousness through uh Noel's house party um which was another quite difficult to define sort of TV phenomenon in the 90s that, I mean, even my memories are hazy almost. I think it was sort of a Saturday night TV show that was part game show, part sketch show, part sketch show, part maybe interviews and all just all, all manner of things. Um, that was <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> set in Noel Edmonds' house for whatever reason um a contrived like sort of overwrought overblown domestic dwelling where noel edmonds invited any and all forces including the kind of yeah the bubonic pleather of mr blobby as this kind of like embodied it that just he, it's he just he was it, it's there's no way of putting it there's i think the one thing that i kind of i actually noted that when you sort of said this this what is this fever dream we're talking about i think the most obvious thing to say about blobby as and which was kind of often said is that he was this sort of symptom of a, of a nation that had gone mad he was just mad but that it's such a it's such a generic word that I think that the, what's so fascinating about Blobby is this indefinable phenomenon is that that even madness doesn't do him justice, mm-hmm. as if like madness is something that to get all I don't know Foucauldian about it is is this kind of it's like a it's a diagnosis we use for the things that are outside of society that kind of as if it would sort of put Bobby Bob I'm doing it now put Blobby in a box sort of out there he's this outside figure but he never was he was always sort of just there within mm-hmm. um, yeah. and completely inexplicable for that 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 and i think it's that in itself that yeah that trying to articulate where blobby came from never mind in actuality but even just mm-hmm. 
I don't know, as, as an idea, it feels utterly impossible. And that's what's so <laughs> magnificent about it. <laughs> There's this, there's this kind of glorious, there's this kind of glorious libidinal excess, right? This, this idea that was clearly dreamt up in 1992 by a coked up intern working for the BBC <laughs> has become this kind of like uh, floating signifier. This, this kind of like uh, force of. I, I think it's super important that you say that this is not like an outside phenomenon. This is mm-hmm. not. This is not an externality to like a to to to, gen, to generally to like the British cultural imagination. Like he was on the BBC. He reg, he he appeared on BBC News this year. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he Mr. Blobby had a Christmas number one. Like this is he is he is integral to the to the kind of perceived unity of the British cultural self-identity. But there is, it, it just kind of goes to show the ways in which that this this kind of projected unified whole, this kind of smooth totality of like British identity in a cultural sense is riven with these, with this kind of like teeming, excessive libidinal energy that has to be kind of focalized and sublimated into into a singular figure you know he's kind of like a, a Gerardian scapegoat for all <laughs> for all that is uncontained and excessive that has to be placed into this one totem into into blobby that that we can kind of externalize away from ourselves safely it's there's this it's these little details too i think that if you can i'm not even sure what the wikipedia page on blobby says i don't even actually want to know but the, I think when I was sort of knowing that we were going to have this conversation, I started piecing together some of the things that I've picked up over the years. And I don't know what it was, but there was this reemergence. I think Blobby was basically forgotten about until 2018, when I think it was Noel Edmonds was going on to another very strange British television phenomenon. Maybe it goes beyond that now, but I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. Um Noel Edmonds being supposedly Mr. Blobby's best friend. Uh, some uh, The TV show invited him, Breakfast Morning sort of interview show, invited him on to, to supposedly talk <laughs> to, to the extent that Blobby talks about Noel. Utter chaos. And it was sort of in that, like this, it was like this reawakening, this, like, um, this sort of Blobby amnesia just faded away. And all these different, <clears throat> like... Um, little factoids came out that I guess people never really acknowledged before. And my favorite one, which I think maybe says it's probably the most concrete and demythologizing thing that I found about Blobby. That's nonetheless amazing is there was a tweet in about November, 2018 by this guy called uh, DJ Stuart, who, um, who wrote with a picture of Mr. Blobby in tow that in the nineties, I used to party with a girl whose job was to be inside the costume of Mr. Blobby when the character was featured on Noel's house party. She was a hardcore rave loving S and M lesbian. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> there's just no other way that could have been. Could and there's uh, this extra, he sort of says, we used to do trade FF kitty lips and pumping curls together. I'm assuming these are like club nights or different clubs around the time, probably long since defunct, unlike Blobby. 
And my favorite details, he says, she performed in a sex show at Fist that left me in tears until I found her in the dressing room afterwards, hooting with laughter and drinking champagne. I thought it had gone too far, which that's a tweet accompanied by Mr. Blubby with his arms crossed, leaning against a pipe organ. <laughs> it's... It's this sort of thing that this, you know, that that's a prime example of the of the history of Blobby. That's by all accounts factual, but it's also just stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and captures that like the the how else would a would a hardcore rave loving S and M lesbian who's performs eye watering shows at a club called Fist get onto daytime or even <laughs> primetime British television. It was only through the kind of the the mask, the the I don't know, the yeah, the 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 um the scapegoat as you said of Blobby. <laughs> yeah yeah. Well I th- I think I think maybe then we should kind of talk about this in a in a in a political sense, right? Because I think maybe we we we've, we've all kind of touched on this a little bit. Uh but let us let us let us unpack the 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 teeming pustules of Mr. Blobby politically, <laughs> um, because th- there's a multitude of ways that this can be this can be thought about. And I, I, in your writing, Matt, which we're going to link to obviously in the show notes, you've kind of talked about the ways in which mainstream outlets have uh, presented a kind of sanitized version of the politics of Mr. Blobby. This idea that uh, Blobby is this. Uh, lowbrow cultural embarrassment, but actually, there is this there is this kind of revolutionary subject there, right? So, so I w- I would be very interested to hear what both you and Ash think about the the, the political importance valence of Mister Blobby. I'm actually, I'm, I mean, I, I guess I'm more interested to hear what Ash has to say as, as our kind of, <laughs> our, our, our token American, who is probably, this is, because I guess it's a very different, well, I mean, it's not, I guess that's what's interesting is that Blobby is a kind of 90s phenomenon. Um, he's not out, he's, he, he's part of a shared political context, but he kind of never made the, he wasn't part of that secondary, <laughs> like, 90s British invasion. <laughs> he he didn't kind of break the mold like, I don't know, Blur and Oasis did. He he was very much still ours. <laughs> but I guess part of that same moment, whatever that moment was. Um, so I'm interested to hear the outside perspective almost. Yeah, we, we we did never get the uh the the Stephen Moffat's blobby TV reboot, which I guess is something we could all be very thankful for. And and I, I think this is really interesting, right? Because uh, personally, I, I have I have an outsider context to Blobby, right? Like like I wasn't around to watch Blobby in his original TV heyday. Um, but like in, in a larger historical purview, you know, the, the United States exists because of the colonial meddling of the British Empire. So so in the same way that, you know, our, our particular brand of American psychosis is this cystic polyp that that branched off of the UK from that same, you know, bed of chaos blobby has emerged. And we're all kind of kind of, you know, writhing in the same discursive plane and I think that there's there's so much interesting just about Blobby's kind of bodily experience, if that makes sense to say. Mm, out yeah, loud. yeah, no, completely. 
Um, because because okay, so the, the flesh, the flesh of Bobby, but Blobby. Oh my God, I, I I think I think we're all cursed now, and by the end of this, we're just gonna all sound like <laughs> Mr. Blobby. Um, but so, so the flesh of this thing, right? It's it's like this this bright pink covered with like these day glow, you know, bu- bubonic, you know, polyps, right? Like it's very psychedelic, right? It's very this kind of '60s visual graphic. But Blobby's activity is very punk. Right. He's very aggressive, very like totally unconcerned with social norms and cultural niceties. And he's like, so just talk, talking to John about this earlier, but like, I, I like, in order to encounter Mr. Blobby, I was just like, I'm going to find the memes. I'm just going to go on YouTube and type Mr. Blobby. I'm just going to see what, what surfaces as, as if it was a fungus, you know, breaching through the concrete <laughs> of reality. And my, my, my favorite piece was just a YouTube video entitled Mr. Blobby Goes on Vacation. Um, which is, it's an unbroken 10 minutes of Mr. Blobby assaulting airport staff and security (laughs) guards. And I'm pretty sure getting on the no fly list, um, he irradiates himself during the show. It is, it is like this massively strange experience. And, And one of the things that kind of occurred to me is that the, uh, uh, thesis antithesis of uh, hippies and punk rock has never been resolved. There's never been a third movement, right? There's never been synthesis for that. I think Mr. Blobby represents the seed of that synthesis. We 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 have we have the uh, freedom of psychedelia. We have this kind of uh, like acid communism body with the same kind of needed aggression that punk rock brings. I think I think Mr. Blobby represents a whole new cultural horizon. And his reemergence post-Brexit, post-Trump, the rise of fascism, the spread of coronavirus at this moment of maximum decay is completely appropriate for this thing that is a rotting heap of pleather. <laughs> yeah, I think you've nailed it, actually. Um, <clears throat> it's like, it, it, I, kind of, I almost don't want to bring it up in case of inadvertently throwing shade, but there is a Mr. Blobby Twitter account. Um, Holy shit! <laughs> that it's unofficial, but it's someone who's kind of taken on the persona, and I, it, it's a very popular account. I think it's um, at worst blobby on Twitter it has a total of twelve and a half thousand followers at, at present. Um, uh, follows me after this post that I wrote a few years ago, which has had the the blobby account cosign, but I've never actually like. A, there's something about this account that actually misses it misses something key about Blobby because it's mm. not. I mean, he tweets in English um, and mm. drops f bombs all the time, and there's something about that as like a kind of it's like a it's like a, a vocalized negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's 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 a lot of it's it's politically quite. This I'm, I'm just I'm on it now and I'm just scrolling and there's this there's there's a tweet about um, being in a police station and calling them pigs. Um, something about um, Blobby fucked up and older. Something about Blobby's apparent sexual exploits. Um, <laughs> but but it kind of it's 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 kind of going in this. Uh, it's an account that goes into this kind of um, a linguistic kind of against propriety. It's all caps, swearing and kind of some I don't know provocative political opinions. But I think what's core about blobby is that as you say this that that antithesis synthesis of, of hippie and punk is that blobby is wholly positive 
There's yeah. no kind of mm-hmm. like fury or anger. It's just pure unadulterated joy that just happens to be so excessive. It negates everything around it, all sense of manners and propriety. So it's kind of, it, Blobby isn't a f- offensive in, in a kind mm-hmm. of punk sense. He's kind of yeah. offensive in a, in just being so bloody happy. Which is in in a way that's actually quite difficult to. I can't think of how that would work with a human being. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you could you could hold those kind of emotions together without being pink with yellow spots and only being able to say your own name. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. To just, to just consistently scream your own name whilst whilst desperately trying to hug your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Radical self self uh, construction of identity here. Like yeah. this is, you, Mr. Blobby is is a is a is a macro dose of psychedelics, right? Like he's this encounter with divinity in the numinous that you can't. How, how how could you how could you if you if you actually got to hang out with the divine for five minutes? How could you ever convey that experience using human language? Yeah, you know you you would have to. You would have to become an S&M leather fetishist performing sex shows so powerful people cry <laughs> that then puts on a costume and goes on TV and pretends to be like a kid's show puppet man. Like, mm. Actually, what you, were, what you were saying about negativity, I think this brings up, this brings up maybe my favorite Mr. Blobby moment. Um, <laughs> and, but to kind of contextualize this, we have to talk about the epitome of smug middle class bourgeois mediocrity jack whitehall so (laughs) yeah so jack whitehall is the son of an actor and a uh, television producer who walked into a phenomenally successful uh comedy and tv career in 2017 jack whitehall appears on the channel 4 show uh the big fat quiz of the 90s hosted by tax avoiding jimmy carr uh (laughs) and uh Jack confesses his deep fear, his deep anxiety about the figure of Mr. Blobby. And there's an amazing moment where Mr. Blobby arrives on set (laughs) screaming Jack's name and makes Jack hide under the desk. Um, It's it's just incredible. But what's amazing (laughs) about it is like, okay, to, to put this into context... On Jack Whitehall did it did an episode of the genealogy show Who Do You Think You Are, and discovered um, that his uh, he, one of his ancestors was um, an anti trade unionist lawyer who mm-hmm. was uh, shot and injured during the Monmouth uprising in the 1830s, which was an armed Chartist rebellion. Um, and I'm like, this is someone who is generationally involved in middle-class British bourgeois continuity, right? Entire, uh, the embodiment of that negativity, right? Humor that can only be... In- so, so, of course, Jack Whitehall fears Mr. Blobby. Of course, <laughs> Jack Whitehall is terrified yes. by the positive psychedelic punk power of Mr. Blobby screeching, <laughs> screeching at him and making him hide. Uh, and I, I think, I think that point about negativity is so important because so much of, so much of kind of like, even that nudge, nudge self-aware British culture is predicated upon that sort of uh, liberal negativity, right? This, uh, this 
not even just being a pessimist, but just kind of the negation of possibility. That that whole thing of like, oh, Britain's shit, and it can never be anything other than being shit. Uh, and it is shit, but like, uh, I'm I'm not a miserableist. I just wish everything wasn't shit. <laughs> and so, and so, like, Mister Blobby is that has this kind of like powerful, tr- almost trans historic ability to yeah. terrify that very specific kind of British identity. Yeah, that's the one thing that I've always felt Blobby. Well, it's it's funny because it, it, it's it's it mirrors my favorite <laughs> Mr. Blobby clip, which <laughs> just to get all of our highlights in, um, <laughs> which is uh, when Mr. Blobby appeared on this other um, sort of nineties. It was a favorite of mine as a kid. As a kid weirdly, um, I'm not entirely sure why. Probably something to dig into with my therapist there um but it's uh, there's this this british sitcom called uh keeping up appearances Mm -hmm. which is um precisely kind of i guess as it's it's it dramatizes that class anxiety uh it's uh it's a it's a show that revolves around um a woman called hyacinth bucket who insists that her surname is actually pronounced bouquet um (laughs) who is always um trying to she's 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 just getting as it's, it's a it's a comedy of errors essentially of how this kind of lower middle class woman um with a kind of servile sniveling husband who follows her around and does her every whim and puts up with her kind of um delusions of grandeur um attempts to kind of make herself appear uh, of a, a higher station than the actress she actually is um and I think what's amazing about that show in a way is that she's not a kind of, um, I think it could easily be seen as her being quite a, a kind of a, a sexist caricature of, of a kind of, you know, a, a, a sort of prelude to the modern day Karen. Um, but actually I think for, at least in terms of Britain's strange sort of popular consciousness at that time, she reflects the class anxieties of a sort of general um, popular consciousness um, for better and for worse, um, I remember there's this uh, uh, great um, Mark Fisher essay about um, this other uh, sort of fly on the wall um, documentary series that was filmed a few years ago called Benefit Street, where uh, I think it was either Channel Four or Channel Five in the UK. They go and follow um, the, uh, this this one street in Birmingham that's supposedly that has the most benefits claimants of anywhere in the any postcode in the UK. And Mark has this point that you know that, that um, it, it kind of demonstrates how the the prevailing gaze in this country, uh, if we you know we can talk about the male gaze, if we have a class version of that concept that um, there's a there's a middle class gaze. Um, mm, that now yeah. defines kind of popular consciousness, popular culture, popular television culture, especially. Um, and I've always wondered if how how kind of recent a phenomenon that is. I don't really, I can't really speak to anything that came before the nineties because I wasn't alive then. But um, <laughs> I do kind of get the sense that sort of following uh, television, kind of always being seen as this mass entertainment, kind of low cultural phenomenon that as it's kind of becomes more accepted, it becomes more, you know, embraces that kind of, yeah, um, default middle-class vision. And I almost feel like as much as keeping up appearances is a, is a symptom of that transition, if there ever, if, it, if there was one, um, 
Blobby's kind of the 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 sort of the 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 direct mirror of kind of Hyacinth Bucket's character. Um, not someone who's kind of maybe trans, you know, climbing out of the working class or is lower middle class who who's trying to you know put on these airs and graces. Blobby, Blobby is 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 someone who just humiliates the whole system altogether. But I guess embraces the kind of wanton abandon that that kind of middle class. Well, as you say, he's everything that a middle class would fear, um, trans historically, um, <laughs> and yet in this in in this strange explosive um, form that he takes, he's accepted weirdly enough, um, and I guess it's it's to kind of bring this back, I guess, to the question you were asking about the political context, I don't think it's any coincidence that Blobby kind of emerges in the, the years immediately following Thatcherism in this, in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that if it's something that I think about with, with punk a lot. So, um, thinking about, uh, uh, well, post punk is, I guess, is, it's is, is still punk. But it's a, as a kind of music genre anyway. It's 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 a it's a kind of new form of exploration that the neg- the negativity of punk makes possible. If you have that kind of scorched earth approach that punk wants to burn down all sort of cultural hierarchies, once that work's been done and it doesn't take long, what new kind of sort of you know, that that transvaluation of values process? What can emerge from that? Uh, you know, out of that vibrant negativity, and I feel like Blobby is a similar sort of figure. It's it's like what does what does the 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 the, the painful negativity negativity of, of the Thatcher years from the other side? What does that make possible within popular culture? And I feel like Blobby's kind of the answer to that. That he's this kind of utterly impossible figure that could have only emerged from those like decades of of utter misery. Um, which I guess is kind of what I can relate to in you saying, John, about about not being a miserableist, but, and yet, Blobby, <laughs> Blobby's like the, I was going to say personification, I guess he's, well, he's, he's the blobification of that <laughs> and yet. Yes, yeah, yeah, the, this idea that actually, there's this kind of, there's this, there's this deep, kind of joy watching it right this idea that like isn't this what we want isn't this what we want to to watch mr blobby tear through the the kind of plasticity of the television set revealing it to be this kind of flimsy uh illusion that with enough kind of joy with enough self-knowledge with enough kind of like uh deep screams of blobby 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 we can see it all be upturned. There's something. There's something in there which uh, is exactly. I think you're completely right that the historical context of, of the immediate landscape post Thatcherism is super important. You actually reminded me of something too. That was. Um, I don't know if this will help in the context of a, maybe a, a wider <laughs> than UK audience, but I guess you know that it, it, it relates to this blue blether. <laughs> Um, to what I mean, this is kind of an open question. Do you know to what extent the those like um, those kind of plasticky adventure playgrounds are like a global phenomenon? The sort of like ball pit things that you get yeah. in like McDonald's and things. Do you have mm-hmm. those in the US as well? That oh, kind of, that... ab- absolutely! It's a plasticine world over here. 
Right. So you, I guess you can you can sort of see that kind of soft play, strange mm-hmm. plastic is what blobby is almost. That's yeah. the kind of material. And I almost wonder that those places there's kind of these inanimate inert objects that kids just throw themselves at and and just slam into with all of their sort of extreme childlike energy and it's like blobby's a kind of strange pillar in one of those places that's just (laughs) been slammed into with so much energy it's he's just come alive he's like an, an adventure playground's revenge on you know this is this is no longer this this place where you go and you put your kids when you want to go and have a a quiet Mackie D's <laughs> is now like it, it's having its revenge on Seattle sort of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's that that is that is a shockingly brilliant point <laughs> to make about Mr. Blobby. I'm still wrapping my head around the, the entirety of this conversation, but. <laughs> there, there's there, there's there's almost this uh, uh, resurgence of the disposed with with Mr. Blobby, right? Because all of these plastic playground areas, they're 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 so highly disposable, you know, like like they're meant to be churned and thrown away. Like that's the whole idea behind plastic as merchandise. It's cheap to make, and you throw it away and you buy a new one. And and the same is true, kind of diegetically, for all of the other Mr. Blobbies out there. Like how many how many hundreds of other uh you know person in a suit children's tv characters that that aesthetically are incredibly similar to mr blobby have have lived and died throughout the years right this disposable culture oh this thing's not in vogue anymore we throw it out we get a new one and i think the same thing reflects uh, like what what i really like this idea of the middle class gaze in, in relation to mr blobby uh, because, you know, like underclasses, whether that's, you know, economic in the working class or gendered or, or by sexuality or by race or by anything, like underclasses are disposable. They're disposable uh, by the eyes of the middle class and definitely the upper class. And, and you know, Mr. Blobby's Mr. Body kind of subsumes so many of these identities, right? There's this ambiguous gender coding with his like, massive campy eyelashes glowing pink body yet he's a, a mister right that lacks any kind of obvious there there is no like sexual i know there's a there, there, there's a lady blobby there's a mrs blobby that has like a bow but outside of the bow they're the same thing yeah the um, uh, I, d- I don't know how many lacanians have written about mr blobby <laughs> and the missing phallus but um, I am convinced. I am convinced that paper exists already. Never, never show Zizek the picture of Mrs. Blobby. I think that would destroy him instantly. <laughs> but like, there's like, also a baby Blobby, I think, too, which is oh, oh god, maybe that's of note. <laughs> Though, which is interesting because I'm sure I, I can't confirm this, but I'm sure it's like it's it's legitimate Blobby law that he was born of an egg. Um, which maybe I don't know. make <laughs> of that what you will, but uh, all, all, all yeah. the Delezians in the audience are just yelling, "Of course, <laughs> well, of course, exactly." A thousand blobbies. He is um, a blobby without organs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, clearly, right? There, like the body is the body is amorphous. This this stumbling, dangerous potentiality, mm-hmm. you know, because there's the dangerous, the the kind of the, the whole point is. Is he doing all of this by accident or is this deliberate? And the answer is, well, it's kind of it's kind of both. Um, but I think given what Ash was saying, it might be it might be useful, Matt, if you don't mind, if I quote a little bit from maybe one of the founding texts 
of of blobtology, which is your piece towards a new blobjectivity. <laughs> uh, I just want to find I just want to find the section that kind of taps into what Ash was talking about. Um, a blobby is useless. Our negative image, as Ben Woodward suggests, which is devoid of utility, or perhaps the real danger of Blobby was that he was all too useful, too easily captured by libidinal forces, too easily reduced to our political whims, his alinguistic blobs too easily filled as false signifiers. This is the danger of Blobby, but also his revolutionary utility. In Cyclonopedia, Reza Negrostani writes of a blobjective point of view, which he attributes to the functionality of petropolitical undercurrents, the world as seen by and through oil. Blobby may not resemble the material consistency of oil, but he is nonetheless absorbent and free-flowing. He likewise interconnects inconsistencies, anomalies, or what, or what we might simply call the quote-unquote plot holes of our neoliberal existence. Blobby travels through the wounds of class war. He is the libidinal ejector of the class war machine itself, leveling all other idols in his burning imminence, a mutation emerging from the molten intensity of sociopolitical flows. He is, as Razor writes, a manifest degenerate entity for which wholeness is but a superficial distraction. Um, it is this irreverence for the whole that makes Blobby such a threat to the neoliberal order. And so, in 1999, of course... the uh, he was extinguished. Now he has returned. Who knows how he might aid us in the future? Uh, so, so, so what is what? I suppose I've been reading a lot of um, I've been reading a lot of uh, the German Marxist Ernst Bloch lately. Um, so I guess the the question is what is what is the anticipatory illumination of Mister Blobby? What is the what is the Blob Utopia then? I mean, I, I think, I guess the point that I made at the start, right, about that you can't, you you can't call Blobby mad. It's too basic a, a descriptor to really fit. Um, and I guess this kind of ties into the sort of deluso guattarian illusions that I kind of I, that that point is, is 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 I guess it's not really my point. It's a point that uh, I, I I thought of while reading some um, Anthony Nato. Who is, I guess, the the person who first came up with that concept of the body without organs that Deleuze and Guattari put to use? And so much of Artaud's writing is kind of um, is is, a, is about that 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 kind of process, that kind of figure. He has this. I think one of his most famous essays is um, uh, is about Van Gogh, um, uh, which is kind of provocatively titled "The Man Suicided by Society," um, and he kind of talks about it's. It's something that I think we see with a lot of different people in a way. Um, it actually reminds me of this. this I'm, a, I'm a Radiohead fan. And there's this great interview with Tom York from from around 2001 when he's talking about their sort of their difficult um, period of writing after sort of their OK computer time, the, the difficulty they had in in, 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 in doing their, their next big thing after burning themselves out on the, the music industry and press tours and all the rest of it. And he kind of talks about how there's this, there's this difficulty in, 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 we confuse the personality with the work a lot of the time mm -hmm. where, you know, I think he's sort of, he says, um, he, he makes the example of uh, maybe he's kind of indirectly leading to himself, but he makes the comparison with Mark Rothko that um, 
a lot of uh, you go to the Rothko room at the Tate in in London. Kids run in and 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 they just see this color and they think, wow, this is great. Look at all of this 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 sort of a, a, the expressivity of it all. And and then knowing something of the biography, the adults kind of go in and just see this poor guy who who killed himself. Mm-hmm. And and as much as this kind of is is a Arto's point essentially is that that's a first a, a fate worse than death for people that 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 for van gogh we kind of we we uh, to call him mad was how society ejected him and to then accept him after the fact is to say um he was he was mad and we did this to him and yet how 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 how, how unfortunate he was too sensitive to survive in our world when you know that the, the whole the whole point is that as a society, we kind of well, we 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 constantly eject people who we think do not fit into our sort of co- the common sense or sanity. And what I think so amazing about Blobby and actually so lighthearted, despite <laughs> this kind of prelude that admittedly is quite dark, but I think what Blobby kind of shows is that um, it, it's it's. It, I think what I I genuinely really love about it as a sort of character is that it 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 humiliates that entire process that blobby's not someone to be remotely uh um admired he's not a tragic individual genius he's not got any body of work to speak of he's not even got a sort of personality he just he just he he's come he's not only you know it's not only impossible to to assimilate blobby it's also impossible to reject him and I think it's it's that's the kind of that's the threat, and I think that's the kind of you. It's it's the the well, yeah, the utility, but also the the I guess the paradox, the the useless usefulness, or the 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 the, the formed formlessness. This that's the kind of what <laughs> how weirdly something is as kind of low culturally abhorrent as Mister Blobby is this. I think genuinely fascinating sort of philosophical quandary hell yeah i, I think i think this is a, 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 <laughs> you know d- d- despite like well actually i think i think you know to, to bring to bring the kind of like diseased existence of mr blobby into this positivity i think like one, one of the things that, that that kind of happens when you're part of of any of the various kinds of underclasses that are out there is that you you through through time and experience and oppression learn to see yourself through the same gaze as the oppressor sees you, right? And like, you know, so mm. if, if you're working class, eventually you, you, you come to see yourself not as someone who's facing economic oppression, but as a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. You're not rich today, but you will be tomorrow with hard work, you know, like, you know, you know grind set, right? That's, that's just that. That's just learning to see yourself as the people who keep you down see you. And, 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 and like some, some of the magic of, of Mr. Blobby that's like really lighthearted and happy is that Mr. Mr. Blobby only exists on the terms of Mr. Blobby. There, mm. there is, there is nothing the material world can do to alter that course. You know, there's, there's this kind of total self-expression when it comes to him, you know, like the, and, and just like the, just this endless distorted shouting of his own name. You know, like there's there's nothing there but this subjectivity. This is what like an emergence of a radical freedom would look like. And it is a little terrifying because we hang on to 
parts of our own oppression in, in, in these strange ways that we internalize them. And, and Mr. Bobby is here kind of disjarring that. <laughs> And I actually, actually, to kind of to kind of build on that a little bit, this makes me think about the work of Thomas Ligotti. Oh fuck yeah! Here we yes, go. yeah. So, like, so so many of Ligotti's short stories are about the possibility of a genuinely radical new kind of becoming, uh, but it's a becoming that the 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 subject itself can't cope with, and so recoils from in absolute horror. Um, like his stories are full of people who who wander into deserted towns and find a kind of festival where the town is kind of remade into or like there is there's a there's a hole there's a there's a void that opens in in reality and on the other side there might be something else and you you're kind of drawn to it uh or you look up at night and you realize that the world is is far emptier and stranger than you thought and so when you were talking ash all i could help think about was like People invite Mr. Blobby on, onto their show, right? He doesn't just, mm. it, it looks as if he appears, but he's always invited in. And he, there's, there is then, it, what this kind of suggests is that there is this pull within, within the kind of staid regularity, within, the, within that smooth, seamless illusion that's presented on the screen. There is this pull within it towards its own kind of self-abnegation, Right, the hosts yeah. of, of of Good Morning Britain are desperate for Blobby to turn up and overturn all of the chairs because then they too might be free. But at the same time, with within the kind of like cultural consciousness, you can only recoil from that. You and you can only you can only kind of like dismiss it as a joke because to take it seriously would be too scary. Oh, abs- mm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One one taste of the candy-coated exterior of Mr. Blobby is all it takes. <laughs> it is. It, I think it says a great deal about, like, uh, well, I, I guess that's kind of what we're talking about in a way, is, is power. Because um, it, and, and it's kind of the, it, it's as if, like, Blobby sort of humiliates the normal way of functioning of those kinds of programs. I think it's something that I mentioned a little bit in the original post that I wrote about lobby but there's you look at something like good morning britain and and they they ha- they have this constant run of quite well these these sort of interview segments that are always from that middle class gaze i think one that i i looked at at the time was you know they they it's a sort of program that will still invite on vegans as like uh uh what are you you know <laughs> this look at this strange look at thing these carnival freaks produce yeah like it's like they 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 define they define themselves or they are they actively invite people onto the show that it's sort of implied are are in opposition to their default gaze um mm. which kind of has gotten more and more ridiculous i remember maybe one of the more memorable ones is like there was a guy that went viral, I think, at one point because his whole thing was that he just drinks his own piss. And that was how... But they sort of took it very seriously. They kind of did that thing, right? It's like, this isn't a joke. We're going to... I mean, it's gross. And we know this is going to get viewings. We know it's going to get ratings. Like we, we, we know the antagonism that we are inviting on here. But we hold the power of, of sort of having that... Uh, representing the, the, the hegemon. Um, they treat Blobby the same way, but... yeah he humiliates them every single time and it's kind of the same thing they know he gets ratings they know that blobby is immensely popular 
everyone's gonna that with that clip of whatever blobby comes on and does is gonna get is gonna do wonders for their youtube statistics in the in the 21st century and yet <laughs> yeah yeah they they want the humiliation right they want the yeah. humiliate they they are they desire the humiliation they want they want to to be part of that glorious positive becoming of of blobby tearing over tearing through their set and demolish it uh we haven't even talked about his seemingly uh, insatiable hatred of chairs, which, <laughs> which, which I, which uh, Ash brought up and his entire like. So they they want this. There's there they otherwise it wouldn't keep returning. I mean, he obviously has this kind of uh, a kind of cultural energy that can't really be controlled. But these institutions are in some ways the sluice gates of that libidinal energy, right? It's. It's how it's it's how it's um, counterposed to what you call the middle class gaze. Um, so so I think it's super interesting that there is this deep conflicted desire. Bl- Blobby is is haunting them. You know, it, the the unexcise the the ghost that cannot be cast out that's still haunting them. Yeah, I think that's the what was it the um like the original translation of the. Communist Manifesto wasn't a spectre haunting Europe, but a hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, Blobby is that hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yes. my god, that is so Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Um, we we are coming up on an hour, so uh, let us let us kind of bring this bring this in for a landing. I think. But Ash, do you have any do you have any final thoughts, final points you want to make sure we bring up? I, I think I think the 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 only other thing I'd want to I'd want I mean like obviously like I'm I'm going to be thinking about Mr. Blobby until there is nothing left in me to think. But one of the things that I find so empowering in a weird way about Mr. Blobby's character is is part of the reason that um, because that same phenomenon here happens in the states. We have these daytime talk shows, and they'll bring on vegans or the guy who drinks his own piss or like. You know, like these people are vampires, like the kind of Jerry Springer mentality to varying degrees of extremity. And part of the reason that that, that works as kind of this pressure release for, for middle class anxiety is because, you, you know, regardless of how principled the guy who drinks his own piss is in, in his own activity for whatever reason, like he's still human. He's still he's still fallible. Right. There's still insecurities mm-hmm. in, in that flesh that the daytime talk show will be able to pull out. As, as a way to be like, oh, look, people do this weird stuff, fellow middle class citizens, but, you know, nevertheless, we're better. But Mr. Blobby has this flawless sense of self-assurance. Every, every action Mr. Blobby takes is empirically morally just in the eyes of Mr. Blobby, which, which gives him this boundless freedom and confidence. And there's something like, you know, like if the daytime talk show vegans had that same sense of personal clarity, uh, they, they would shatter that paradigm. That's the best sentiment I think come out of this hour is that we all just need to be more blobby. I'm fully in support of this. Uh, absolutely right, especially especially given the ways in which, I, especially there's been a lot of kind of very tedious theorizing over like the that the hashtag the long nineties, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I don't I don't disagree with all of it, and I think it's an incredibly useful exercise to kind of sketch out or delineate the contours of what that that is. But in a way, like any kind of historical project, you end up kind of sanitizing mm-hmm. simply by what you choose to include, right? 
you're you're mm. making you're making choices to 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 periodize i mean this is a very like jamesonian point to to periodize is always to make specific ideological choices about how you're constructing your philosophy of history yeah and i think there is a temptation even uh in 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 kind of like uh ostensibly left wing or or left kind of his, his, history to seed too much of the kind of random psychedelia of history as kind of just the irrational flotsam and jetsam that we have to move past and get rid of uh but that is in a way not not kind of radical enough and i think if we we adopt the kind of the, the gothic marxism of, of benjamin or Bloch or brecht mm-hmm. uh, who who see these figures of history as essentially fracturing that smooth teleo- teleology of history progressing from stage a to stage b to stage c um there there is there is there is something of of blobby's a historicity which is like kind of inspiring this this idea of a of you know the cultural trash that was supposed to be dead in the 90s but basically being unkillable by the standards of middle class taste and is constantly (laughs) returning to basically just smash a chair onto the floor and cause (laughs) chaos I, I think is I I think you're completely correct. Be more blobby. <laughs> Hell yeah, that, that's the that's the takeaway today. Connect with your inner blobby. Um, should we should we wrap it there? Yeah, yeah, Matt. If you wouldn't want to, if you if you would like to remind our guests where they can find, and I just want to say uh, one of my favorite podcasts and maybe my favorite blog. Oh wow! Thank you. Um. Yeah, uh, you can find me at um, Xenogothic, uh, Xenogothic.com, Xenogothic on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, uh, or yes, on the uh, our Buddies Without Organs podcast, which is buddieswithout.org. Um, uh, still so pleased we got that URL. Such a good time. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Come swing by, and uh, I don't think anything that we've done will, will top this. This is this, <laughs> this, the, this is this is a topic for the ages. There, there needs to be a, a book about Blobby. Maybe that's something to pitch. Oh my um, god! Yes. Collect edition of Blobby studies, but um, <laughs> that's something for another time. Um, yeah, be more Blobby. Um, yeah, uh, the rule is if you have ever shared the um, "explain Deleuze to me right now, or I'll fucking kill you" meme. You you have to listen to Buddies Without Organs. Um, absolutely check out the K files and yes, big mm-hmm. we are big big fans of uh, xenogothic.com as well. But Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, love your podcast and yeah, long time long time listener, first time caller. So happy to <laughs> chat to you about this specifically. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. The, the, this I already know this is going to be one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! There we go. There we go. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.